what up guys welcome to rizzo on the move i am your host joe rizzo and this is my podcast powered by the movers check out movers.org with a z movers with a z to see what we're all about and to collaborate as far as this show goes we feature people from every walk of life from all different parts of the world we believe that everyone has a story to tell no matter who they are now let's make some moves the professor of this class, it's a human resources administration class. That's the major. It's human for human for future human resources professional. Okay. It's funny. At I, Pace like, University I didn't up even in West know there was classes like that yeah. and <laughs> in human resources. They have a program for it at Pace. Really? So, uh, cool. but the professor. I had to do like a little uh, promo, like. Come watch me on Instagram right now. Okay, cool. So um, the professor is actually the director of human resources for a company that I used to work for back in the day. It was the company that I was working for when I transitioned. Really? And I transitioned on the job at AV Workshop is the name of the company. The parent company is called KVL Audiovisual Services. and. Yeah. Um, her name is Lisa Stemtelos. And uh, ironically, I got, I was let go from working for AV Workshop four months after I um, came out as a transgender woman who was, had begun, I actually had begun the process months before, but had, you know, was going to transition male to female. So she was the human resources director of the company at the time. And I'm not going to get into, you know, the reasons why I was let go from that company and whatnot. But the upshot is that we have remained friends all these years. And this was like, you know, in the, the turn of the year this year, it'll be um, eight years. Wow. Eight years ago. But we've remained friends all this time. And uh, she asked me if I would be so kind as to um, speak to her class. And I said, Mama, her nickname is Mama V. And there's a, a story. <laughs> there's a story behind the nickname, which I won't tell you now either. But Yeah, you told, um, me, about, you told me about Mama V. Mama v. She's from Yahoo, right? Well, no, I'm Facebook friends with her. Oh, okay. And also, uh, she follows me on Instagram. But uh-huh. we've... But Mama V is, uh, you know, she's like, she's like my sister. You know, she's kind of yeah. like my sister, you know, we, and um, like we're the same age. She's one year older than me. And we were actually kind of close. We're pretty tight. So, um, but she asked me if I would do this. And I was like, sure, just tell me where to go and when to be there. And it's up in Pleasantville, up in Westchester on Monday mornings at <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning. Oh. Jeez. And uh, and so I'm like, mm, how about Skype? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, She's right like, that like, works. So what we did was we actually used blue jeans to do it. And um, I used blue jeans on my Chromebook from home. I've never heard of blue jeans. Blue is jeans it? is a really great little conferencing app. It works really, really well. Mm-hmm. I used it with a client for a work-related thing at Viper a couple of weeks ago. And I was very impressed with it. It worked out real well. So I suggested to her that we do it on blue jeans, and right. 
And that's what we did. So this morning at nine o'clock after the day that we had yesterday, <laughs> which we yeah. could talk about, doing Eric Thomas at the Brooklyn Expo Center, 17-hour day, <laughs> pulling an all-nighter on Saturday night. Yep. Uh, and I did this dial-in at nine o'clock in the morning this morning into Pace University oh. minutes. Wow. And uh, it was really... So now they want me to do it once a month. That's like, all? In the beginning, because maybe no one knows what we're talking about. But. Okay. <laughs> so this is Cat Roach. Yes. Well, Catherine Roach, general manager, Viper Studios. There we go. And I'm a transgender woman. Um, I began transition uh, August 27th of 2009 is the anniversary of my very first estrogen injection. So... I actually call that my that like my birthday, my rebirth day. I actually birthday. celebrate that as my rebirth day. It's really? August twenty seventh. It's the anniversary date of my first estrogen injection. Yeah, that's so cool. So that was. Um, it'll be it'll be ten years this August. It'll be a decade, which wow. is hard to believe. <laughs> Wait, is that like so you're ten hard... years old? Yeah, you're ten. Yeah. Is I'm that like a, my a hard day to pick? Like when. It just worked out that way. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, was that something where it's like, I wanted to be like fall on a day that... No, it, or... that's just a day that it happened to be. The way the whole thing... I'll Let me... Here, let me backtrack and I'll kind of like... Timeline. I'll spin you yarn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spin me yarn for you. <laughs> okay. Um, the trans thing. Okay. So, first of all, I have to say that I am not speaking for the transgender community. I do not represent the transgender community as anyone other than myself. And the opinions expressed here and the experiences expressed here may not be necessarily reflective or indicative or representational of those of the trans community. Just your opinion. Writ large. Right. Okay? Yeah. This is just my own deal. I don't speak for anybody but myself. So if I say anything here that any members of the trans community who might be listening might find to be objectionable in some way, don't send me letters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right? You know, it's like this is just my deal and no offense intended, but this is just like how my personal subjective, right. you know, You're subjective outlook. experience, this is just how I roll with it or how I, you know, how I have uh how I have dealt with it. So um, I have been clin clinically gender dysphoric since I was a kid. I think most trans people will tell you that this is something that they have known since they were children. Never shared it with a soul until I was much older, much later in life. Never told anyone um, I come from a very conservative family. My grandparents, rest their souls, mom, dad, stepfather. You know, um, very conservative family from what is now the wine country of Eastern Long Island, which was not then. Um, but yeah, the North Fork, Mattatuck. Very hundred, one hundred people in my graduating class in high school. I was born and raised out there. My whole family's out from out there like forever. I'm actually 13th generation colonial. Wow. 13th generation. That's crazy. Yeah, that's another story. 
But yeah, my uh, my family is is quite conservative, and you know, my mother and I can talk about the weather. We can talk about you know stuff, but politics is not one of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, so I kept it to myself. I for the longest time, I really thought that it was something that I was just going to have to deal with and I'll, and take to my grave. And I really didn't think that I would ever tell anybody. I thought I would just just deal with it. You know, when did just, you first know? Like, when? How old were you? I first made the actual cognitive recognition of it, yeah. which is the way I say it. I I knew from a younger age, but I. I didn't really know what it was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I didn't like I, I look back now in retrospect and so it was always and I, 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 I didn't I, I couldn't put my finger on why I felt different. Yeah. Than everybody else. And, you know, I just had these unusual feelings and I, I, I didn't really understand that. And then um, as I got older and starting right around the time my first puberty, probably around age 11 or so, I came yeah. to the realization that something was seriously wrong here. Did you start like looking stuff up and no, like seeing if other people were like that too? Not until the internet. But I'm 55 years old. True. So we're talking You're 10 about. You're actually 10. <laughs> but we're talking about, you know, it's a long time ago. Yeah. It's a different world back then. Yeah, library, I guess. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, and I actually have found resources and biographies and stuff in the library, which have been helpful mm-hmm. but um and role models that came along through the mass media like caroline cossey who modeled under the name of tula a british supermodel who's actually a personal friend of mine now mm-hmm. love her to death wow. that's awesome yeah caroline cossey is a Super. dear friend of mine and i absolutely adore her but um but anyway but yeah, it's something that I really thought that I would that I would not only I would never transition, but I honestly thought that I would never talk to anybody about it. And I went through one whole marriage without telling my wife, my first wife, Adrian. Yeah. That's we were together crazy. for seven years and I never told her. She never had a There's Caroline. Yeah, I looked her up. She never had um, a uh she never had like an inkling or like said anything to you. Once or twice, I think she was like, "Wait, what was that?" <laughs> you know, they, you know. Once she caught me trying on her lipstick in the bathroom. Yeah, and, you know, which is really not like me because I'm not really like about all of the superficial trappings and accessories. You know, I'm not about the window dressing. I'm not about the clothes, hair, nails, shoes, all the vanity. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not about all of that. The superficial stuff and the and the you know like stereotypical yeah like girly girl what Cosmopolitan magazine and Vogue magazine you know kind of represent and 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 tell women that they should be and what they should look like and you know like the cosmetics industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry yeah and the culture buys into it you know right up to their nose like. (laughs) You know, no, nobody really even questions it. It's just something that that women do, and you know, they're they're conditioned yeah. by our culture to uh, embrace it from the time that they're quite young. Mm. You know, and they have their role models and and whatnot, and uh, and you know, and it reinforces a huge 
a huge industry. Vanity is a huge, huge, huge industry. Yeah. I'm but, uh, you know, I question everything. And I was never about that. I was like, you know, why? Why? What's my motivation? You know, like, yeah. I would rather get the extra hour sleep in the morning <laughs> than spend an hour, you know, putting eyeliner on, trying to get it perfect. And believe me, it takes me a while. I can do it, but it takes me a little while. Yeah. But like, why am I going to spend so much time? You know, I would honestly really rather just, you know, maybe put a little mascara on and a little eyebrow pencil on, which I don't have anything on right now, but that's not unusual. But, uh, you know, I just do a little mascara, a little eyebrow pencil, you know, nothing much. But still, yeah. most of the time, I don't even do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why? Who am I trying to impress? What's my motivation here? Am I trying to catch a man? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Goal. Catch a woman? Compete with a woman? No, like, no that was... Who, so what are, who are you attracted to? Yeah, oh, I'm bisexual. Because okay. uh, that was going to be one of my questions. Because I know some people do transition, but they're like, oh, I'm not gay, though. Like, right. They're still attracted. Well, like, gender identity and sexual preference are apples and oranges. They're two yeah, entirely ex different exactly, things. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So my gender identity is female. I'm legally female. Driver's license, birth certificate, social security card, court order. I heard that's a hassle to go through as well. You know what was I'm the biggest sure. pain in the ass? My cell phone bill, believe it or not. Really? It was easier to get a court order <laughs> than to change my information on Sprint. <laughs> Who wouldn't think that? And like for a phone bill, like why would that even matter? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, a few several years ago, I changed everything, you know. So I went to the, I got a court order for the name change, and I had all my gender markers changed on everything. Right. So, you know. And um, but <laughs> ironically, you would think that you know, just like your bills, yeah, would be the easiest thing, <laughs> yeah. and the most, the biggest pain in the ass was changing it on Sprint. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is like my Gmail. My Gmail yeah. won't yeah. let me switch. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but um, but yeah, but just to circle back, yeah, I, I I kept it to myself, and um, and Adrian and I ultimately split, and she didn't find out until much later, pretty much at the same time that everybody else did, when I actually decided to go ahead and do it. But but then after her, after Adrian and I split up, um. I dated a, a woman named Lee. This was, I was living in Park Slope in Brooklyn at the time. Just to go back, though, I, I have a question. And so, yeah. Adrian, you said she never like suspected anything. Yeah. So, like, you were attracted to her, like. Oh, of course. You guys were like hooking up, right? Like, was I was normal. married to her. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you guys were like having sex and stuff. Of course. So, like, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. she yeah. So she never knew anything. Was she up. It's not like never connected. She or, never really connected the dots. Yeah. And um as far as sex is concerned, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna get into <laughs> you know the gory details, but yeah. There is definitely something there that might give you a clue if you were looking for it. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um I don't really wanna get too deeply into detail <laughs> in this particular gotcha. no, yeah, you don't but uh, <laughs> I'll just leave it at there mm -hmm. but you know but she didn't she never suspected anything yeah and um, was as shocked as anybody yeah you know when I finally when I finally Your kids did, it. did it oh my kids will get to that that's a different <laughs> story but when I met Lee she was actually like you know the thing about being 
The thing about being trans, at least in my experience, is that it's progressive. And it gets worse as you get gender dysphoria. I'm not saying being trans. What I'm saying specifically is being gender dysphoric, which is the sense of not being in the right body and not be and it's not just about your body it's just about like it's your endocrine system which was a really hard thing for me and just knowing that you are just not right you know you're not right in a lot of different ways you're not right in and for me it was endocrinological and biochemical and and things of that nature i hated the you know the feelings that testosterone in my body inspired in me Mm -hmm. i hated the way it made me feel i felt incomplete I felt um, like a husk of a person, like a partial person, mm-hmm. and um, and there's just this. Oh, and it, it you know, and it kind of comes and it goes. You know, I would go for a period of months or so where I'd be fine and I'd just be living my life and doing my thing. It's almost like being bipolar. You know, it's like a sine wave. And then there would be times when I would be really compromised, and my ability to focus would be challenged and i would be very depressed and easy and distracted and kind of like not really functional mm-hmm. and miserably unhappy and uh and like i said it's progressive and it gets worse as you get older and it makes its demands yeah like what's worse what do you mean like it gets, gets stronger? It, it becomes more insistent and the dysphoria is just you know it grinds on you um, but yeah, but then Lee came along and Lee was finally the one that I opened up to and I told everything mm-hmm. and she was fine with it. You know, the sky didn't fall. The earth didn't open up beneath my feet. Mm-hmm. I didn't get struck by lightning. Yeah. And it was okay. And she was okay with it. And we wound up staying together for two and a half years before we ultimately broke up, which and that had nothing to do with my issue. Right. We broke up because we bickered and fought like cats and dogs all the time. <laughs> and I just got tired of the constant fighting. Yeah. And I broke up with her because I was like, I can't take it anymore. I just can't take the constant bickering and so but two days after I broke up with Lee, I met Jen. Now we are into the Gen chapter. Now, before I start the Gen chapter, are there any questions or anything that you want to pause there? Because once About I start Jen? on the Gen chapter, that's a, that's a tale, and okay. I had, that has yeah. to kind no, of run its let's course. get into Wait, Gen. Well, well, unless you have questions. a, if you want, um, any back, Adrian? Because I know you have two kids, right? Three, three. W- was that with your with Jen? Oh, the, okay. That's oh, part of the Gen tale. Okay. okay. All right. So. I'm just trying to think, backtrack if I have any questions up until now. So up Uh, until now, I had kept the whole thing buried until I met Lee. Told Lee, now I feel emboldened and empowered because I told Lee. Yes. And it was okay. Right. So now it's okay. Um, Now before all that, like when you were growing up, since you kind of like had the thought in your mind, like since it's like you knew but like didn't know at the same time, was... Like sexuality, even like a concern to you at that well, point? again, you know this is part of the demands that having all this testosterone in your body makes on you. Testosterone makes you horny, 
Yes. You know, it just does. And like anybody else with that much testosterone in my body, I had my fair share. I mean, I wasn't, you know, brute, brolic, jock, you know, like, <laughs> you know, Harry. Harry, <laughs> man. <laughs> that wasn't me. Okay. Um, but it was enough. And I definitely had, you know, a, a, a healthy sex drive. Uh-huh. Um, when I was before, I was when I really was just, I, I, when I was before, <laughs> yeah. I was primarily, primarily just attracted to women. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm a serial monogamist. I've only had four major relationships in my whole life. Uh, the first was with my high school girlfriend, and I was with her for you know, a long time, like right into my freshman year of college from sophomore year until... I was a freshman in college. Four years. And then d- years. distance just did what distance does, and, and we broke up. And, uh, and then I, I didn't really, when I was in college, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a girlfriend. Um, I met a couple of great girls that I love a lot, but they had boyfriends, or one of them who I really loved a lot. She was like my best friend. Um, friend zone. We were on the equestrian team together. I used to ride horses in college, and she was on the equestrian team with me, and we got to be very, very close friends. But she had a boyfriend who was at UCSD in California, and they were, like, totally in love. And I'm sure that ultimately we probably got married. (laughs) But she was very devoted to him. And so we just became very, very close friends. I had a a couple of girls in college like that that I was very, very close friends with and totally would have dated if the opportunity to date them was there. Um, But... As far as, you know, um, crazy sex and hooking up and all that <laughs> stuff like that in college, that didn't really happen. I, you know, I had, Orgies. I had quality friendships with women and that was sufficient for me. And then, um, after college, I met Adrian when I was quite young. Mm. My first job when I moved into the city back in like I hesitate to even name the date, name the year. <laughs> it was 1984, and I was like 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I got my first apartment in Park Slope in Brooklyn. I would die if I told you how much I used to Your pay. Your first rent. one? And that's a good first. Yeah. Age 22, I moved into Park Slope in Brooklyn. But Park Slope was not the Park Slope that everybody knows now. It yeah. was quite different. Mm-hmm. And also, it was like the outskirts of, of Park Slope. It was... Um, 14th Street and 4th Avenue, 14th Street between 4th and 5th Avenue, which is actually some people might even consider that like the the border of like Sunset Park. Mm. So, but I was only paying $250 a month in rent and it was close enough. You know, I was walking distance to 5th Avenue and 5th Avenue then was not like it all is now. It's very different then, but I moved, this was my first apartment in New York, and, you know, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. I found it on Roommate Finders, which was something that was in the (laughs) newspaper at the time, in, like, the Village Voice, you know? I found Roommate Finders in the (laughs) Village Voice, and I, and I, I, I applied with the guy who had the lease because he was looking for a roommate and he brought me in and that was my first apartment in Park Slope. So anyway, no Tinder, but I was working, I was working for, uh, yeah, no Tinder. I was working for Silverstein properties at the time. Mm -hmm. Who Larry Silverstein is the owner of the the world towers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was right before they got hit. I don't know, but I don't think so. (laughs) 
But <laughs> at the time, number seven World Trade Center was still just blueprints. Okay. But that was my first job in Manhattan. I was Silverstein Properties for uh not for I was Silverstein Properties mailroom person. Wow. Started from the bottom. That was my gig. Classic mailroom. I got a job, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes, yeah, starting in the mailroom, <laughs> yep. right? But that was my first gig, and then it went from there. But um, but uh, I met Adrian at Silverstein Properties. She was a temp, and oh. she was a receptionist. She was a temp receptionist huh. at Silverstein Properties. And I was doing my rounds one day and walked by the front desk and, you know, and, and she's there and I take one look at her and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, Adrian was really beautiful. Adrian's eight years older than me. Okay. Um, but we're still close friends to this day. Good. In fact, she, she sent me a picture this morning. I guess she pulled out an old purse <laughs> the purse that she had with her on our wedding day and pulled out a book of matches and she found a book of matches, an engraved book of matches from our wedding, which I thought was awesome. That you is. know, but uh but yeah, we're still close friends. That's good that like you're still close friends with her. Because I mean yeah. it would stink to like you know, go through everything and then yeah. just because of like how you really are, like it it just couldn't work and that she like just wasn't Again, you okay. know, Adrian and I broke up for different reasons. You know, we, we it just, and again, I, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, it was just one of those things where the relationship, you know, you can love, I love Adrian dearly, still do, and she still loves me, but we can't be married. You still talk. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can't be married. We can't, the marriage just, it, 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 it didn't work. Right. For, for reasons that I don't even get into. It was just a, it was a yeah. chemistry, you know, it's, it's, marriage is a big deal. You know, I yes. mean, it's, it's, yeah. you have to have it. It's not just, love is not enough. They say, you know, love is all you need. Well, you know, to make a marriage work, love is not enough. You need more than just love. I love everyone, so. I love you too. <laughs> I, no, for real. Like, I could say I love Joe you. Joe would just marry everyone. But I yeah. couldn't marry you. <laughs> I don't know. Never know. Let's go to yeah. the Church of Elvis. <laughs> church of Elvis. We, can all, we could Let's all do that. Yeah. Um, so should we but anyway, so but I've been the point is that I've you know I've been a, a serial <laughs> monogamous my whole life and I, and it's always been with women. I like that term. So, um, but it was Adrian and then it was Lee and then it was Jen. Jen. Uh, now I think um, we're right. Okay, now we'll roll right into Jen. that. So, <laughs> Jen and I met at a bar. It's on 12th Street between Eighth Avenue and Prospect Park. In Going as a man. Well, at this point, I'm completely. <laughs> just I had this conversation with Lee, and it was out there, okay. and I felt emboldened, and yeah. I felt so. Anyway, but I but met when Jen. you're going out looking for people, you're looking for girls. Yes. Okay. Um. So, uh, I met Jen, and it happened. It everything happened very quickly. Fell in love. I knew from the moment that I met her, from that first night that we met at the 12th street bar that she was going to be the mother of my children. Wow. I knew it. It's certain. It's just one of those moments of clarity that you have sometimes. In yeah. Life. I knew that she was going to be the mother of my kids. And, um, it happened. It happened. All, it all happened. It was a whirlwind thing. It happened very quickly. And I think we were together for two weeks. And I was like, 
there is something very, very important that I need to tell you so that you can make an informed decision about whether or not you want to move forward. Okay. And um, she's like, oh my God, what is it? Are you gay? Are you? <laughs> well, no, not exactly. But, um, you know, but she's, you know, she's like, oh God, what? I was like, well, I need to tell you that I am pretty much clinically gender dysphoric. And uh, Jen is a psychologist by trade. Wow. And uh, she had the chops to understand what that meant. And so um, she asked the obvious, or what I hope is probably the <laughs> obvious question, which is, okay, it's such like a Jen thing to say, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean for you in a year? Where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, how, how hard is it for you living with this? Do you need to transition? Do you need to have a sex change operation? Do you need to be a woman? Like, what does this mean? And I'll tell you right now what I told her. I said, the standards of care, and she can, she can look it up on our big red book, big red book of diagnostics for um, you know, mental and emotional disorders or whatever. Which you know, yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's like I call it the, the big red book. The encyclopedia. Of it's yeah, it's disorders. the the diagnoses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for psychologists. She said have. you can you can look up gender dysphoria in your big red book there, and you know, but the standards of care for transgender people is called the Harry Benjamin Standards of Care, and it may be different now, but we're talking about like the mid nineties. There's the word that I like to use to describe the Harry Benjamin standards of care is draconian. It's very strict. Draconian. Draconian. Like Dracula? Wait, what do you mean? Look it up, honey. <laughs> it kind of means you like reptilian. Google, right, in like front of draconian and... is just like, it's intense. Okay. Dragons. It's drastic. Yeah. It's it's demanding. It's uncompromising. It's rigorous. It's Spelled no it right. bullshit. Harsh, right? harsh, severe, severe, excessively harsh and severe. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the word that I like to use okay. to describe the Harry Benjamin standards of care. Okay. The Harry Benjamin standards of care, and anyone who cares to can look it up and read it, um, and judge for yourself. Personally, there are reasons why it is that way. Because changing your physical sex is a big fucking deal. I would think so. I would yeah. think that's right. And they don't. The they and they make go. they make it difficult, and you know, intentionally because they don't want people who are not good candidates for it to have sex reassignment surgery. Because if you're not a good, an appropriate candidate for it, obviously that can be extremely traumatic. Imagine. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Can you so, put it back? <laughs> uh, yeah, I made a mistake. Has anyone? Can you go back? No. I, For sure? No. Okay. No. Don't so, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't, no don't think you'd back. want to. There's, like, there's no going back. Once you have yeah. that procedure, there's no going back. Mm. But, like, they and the Harry Benjamin Standards of Care have been the, you know, the, the book. And But also what it says is to even be considered 
as a candidate, as a viable candidate, just to go on hormones, you have to jump through hoops for a year, which is like, which means to what meant to me at the time, because I know that you guys probably are too young and most of the people who are watching or listening to this are probably too young to know who June Cleaver was. Uh, Beaver the Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Beaver. Like June Cleaver was like the stereotypical, you know, like female role model housewife, you know, like, and I use that term not in any kind of pejorative way, but um, I felt like, you know, they want you to be June Cleaver for a year. You know, they want you, basically what they want you to do is they want you to immerse yourself in the um, socio, psycho, psychosocial, socio (laughs) presentation. (laughs) Basically what they want you to do is they want you to live as a woman for a year. And and so for a guy who's not on hormones, yeah. And for a guy who's not on hormones yet, basically they want you to 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 live in drag, and it's not drag. I get that, but they right. want you to 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 basically wear women's clothing. But what I and, like and makeup and hair and you know like their the whole, like of all of it. But the what I got from it was that they they not only do they want you to you know to wear women's clothing, they want you to. This is a very fraught word in our in the trans community. They want you to do everything that you can in your power to pass. To pass as a woman. To pass as... Who's grading? Like, passes? Who's a turn? Like who's judging? Society. Yeah, who's judging? Okay. And what is, is it like gymnastics? Like media? <laughs> yeah, you got you a 7.5. So no, it's like... You're six foot three inches tall. Four. It's the media's <laughs> idea. Yeah, I'm passing. actually... I'm six, two and a half. So passing, not so much. So, um, well, you must have you passed. Well, I don't pass as a cisgendered woman. I just don't like. I'm unless you go to the island of Themyscira and <laughs> compare me to like, you know, the, the blacksmith who makes Wonder Woman's armor, <laughs> <laughs> or someone like. Then maybe it's like, yes, that's me. <laughs> Make woman, I make Wonder Woman's armor. <laughs> Clean. Yeah. Then I'm all over that, and I <laughs> fit right in. But um, no. So you think like not so much. So, but anyway, but this is the thing. To circle back, she asked me, and I told her, Jen asked me, you know, are you ever going to transition? And I was like, Well, I've read the Harry Benjamin standards of care. And I could tell you at this time, by my lights, in my crystal ball, to the extent that I can see into it, I'm never doing that. I'm never going to walk around in a dress. I'm never going to go to work in a dress. I'm, ne- I'm like, I'm just not. That's not who I am. That's not what this is about for me. Mm-hmm. I've never had a closet full of clothes, women's clothes. <laughs> you know, I've never had a medicine cabinet full of makeup. That's just not what this is about mm-hmm. for me it's a birth defect and this is one of those things this is why i had to make that little disclaimer when i started talking about this because i say birth defect and a lot of women in the trans community 
yeah get their their feathers ruffled seems like a negative <sighs> it's a birthright for me it was a birthright i was born this way i wish i wasn't i'm not proud of being trans i'm not one of those people who goes to pride carries a sign and um you know whatever i don't I don't march on City Hall. I'm not an activist. I have an issue. And I'm just trying to deal with it. Um, You know, it's a, it sucks. It's hell. Being trans is, being gender dysphoric and being trans is hell. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's hell. It sucks. And after you transition, if you don't pass beautifully, and I know some beautiful women who pass beautifully. I'm not one of them. Um, you trade one hell for another. You know. So anyway, but to circle back to uh, to the narrative, I told Jen that if the standards of care, the Harry Benjamin standards of care, are the book, that's not going to happen, and it never did. Yeah. It never did. So uh, things proceeded apace, as they say, <laughs> and got married. Had baby number one, Ethan. Had baby number two, Gabe. Had baby number three, Julie. Outgrew our apartment in Park Slope. Bought a house on Long Island. Back to the island. Yeah. And you went the, uh, the normal route. It was, I had the Norman Rockwell <laughs> dream. Yeah. Mm. I had the wife, the house, the white picket fence. Kids. Actually, it was a chain link fence. Give a dog. <laughs> I didn't have the golden retriever. <laughs> short, short the golden retriever. No pets, but like, but had the I had arrived. <laughs> I had everything, and you know, things were good for a long time. And then, it things started to uh, unravel a little bit, and 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 the marriage started to to uh, to to not to not be so good. What was gonna? pop up at some point right well yeah and you know but like when when jen asked me you know what what are you what are you going to do about it i'm I'm just gonna i'm gonna do the same thing that i've always done with it i'm just gonna live with it i'm just gonna deal with it but the thing is gender dysphoria is progressive and it gets worse as you get older and um as our as our marriage started to uh become not so good i wound up with a lot more time inside my own head. And that's when the woman inside really starts to bang on the door and um, become more demanding. And, you know, like the way I like to describe it, it's like trench warfare in World War One, the way they used to fight battles on the battlefield in World War One, which is, you know, you, you've got, your lines are drawn and, all the guys live in a trench, or not live in a trench, but they, you know, they shelter. They take, you know, they they protect themselves. They, you know, you, yeah. they, you know, they, they, they're in a trench. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Uh, every once in a while, you know, they'll they'll make a sally. You know, they'll sally like in the Wonder Woman movie. Like yeah, they'll try to sally forth. Yeah. Like you know, the Wonder Woman movie shows that great. You so, know, yeah, have a exactly. So you have the, the the trenches, and then you you know you you attack. And you advance, and you go maybe a hundred yards, and and then you dig a new trench, 
And then you could live in that new trench for another year or two before you advance yeah. again. So, so to to apply the metaphor to the matter at hand, um, everything is you know you have your existential status quo, which is the trench, your trench that you're presently living in, and that's your that's your reality. That's how you present. That's you know how you cut your hair, what you look like. No, it's just your appearance. It's okay. how you choose to present physically. And, you know, Okay. So um, then one day, the family's away, whatever, mm. and you got the place to yourself for the weekend, and you take a shower and you shave your legs. And that's advancing 100 yards, and now you've dug a new trench, and that's your new All trench. Right. And from now on, you shave your legs. Yeah. Milestones. I have to blow my nose, and I don't see anything around here. Anyway. They're in the middle drawer. Yeah. Um, and so now that's your new, you know, that's part of your new revised, you know, your, your existential trench, if you will. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Excuse no, me. don't worry about Go it. You don't want it. me to keep sniffing into the microphone. <laughs> get, your, get it all out. But like the way you say that, I really like that, it, that analogy or I guess metaphor of it being you know, like you, a trench. Things are done like in jumps. Yeah. And you maintain a status quo for, you know, for a while, indefinitely, for a long period of time. And then one day you just, you make a big decision. You make a big choice. Yeah. And, and, and that choice is actually like, you don't really think of it as being a huge choice at the time, but it kind of is. Because oh, from that yeah, point absolutely. forward, you're shaving your legs. <laughs> and then another, maybe months later, another opportunity comes along and you get ready to jump up you know out of that trench and you get ready to make your sally <laughs> and you you know and you sally forth and now you're plucking your eyebrows mm-hmm. did you have long hair no, still back no, then get shorter really. i had longer hair when i was younger mm-hmm. um but you know it's like that and you know and so these little things these little concessions that you make to it you know shaving your armpits you know these little things is you don't you don't do them all at once but over time the aggregate uh, over time you start one day i don't really take a shower at night i tend to take a shower in the morning but for whatever reason it must have been summertime or something and i took a shower at night this was like late in at a later stage of our marriage, like within the last, I guess, probably two or three years. Um, I took a nighttime shower. Jen was already in bed. I come into the bedroom, get my pajamas on. She's in bed, you know, reading her book. I come in, you know, get my pajamas on. She's like, I thought we weren't going to do this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, I thought we weren't going to do this. I thought you weren't going to do this. You said you weren't going to do this. I thought we weren't going to do this. And I'm like, what? My heart's racing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't understand. She's like, look at yourself. But you knew, right, what she was talking about. Yeah. I said, yeah. But I wanted her to. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, look at yourself as I look at Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> look at yourself. What, I look great. 
But she's like, look at yourself. Just look at yourself. She's like, you're a chick. She's like, I thought we weren't going to do this. And uh, I didn't know what to say. You know, I was speechless. It's like, I, I never really, I never set out to do it. It just kind of happened. Right. Because gender dysphoria makes demands. And you make concessions to it. And so you advance. Yeah, because you, like, you were at the goal line. And you said, like, when you met her, you were like, no, I don't see I that had no being in, I a had no possibility. At the time. And, yeah. You know, and I could gaze into my crystal ball until, I, until, you know, doomsday. And my answer would not have changed because I could not, at that time, anticipate the circumstances under which I could or would. Yeah. I guess that's what makes that disorder so, like, hard because it's like you never know when it's it just places you. Another story. <laughs> Around the same time, this is before MySpace. This is before Facebook. It's before social, social media, media as we know it. Social media at the time consisted of Yahoo groups. Yeah, and there was a Yahoo group. It was called. DIY hormones. And basically what it was was a discussion group of like where you could get offshore hormones, where you could get them, oh. order them online, and have them delivered to you. Make it yourself. That's not your own. But like where you could mortar. source yeah. them to purchase them overseas, like from New Zealand. I got you. Where you could have them ship you hormones without a doctor's prescription. Mm -hmm. Now, I would that's not really, I mean, it was a group that I just kind of like discovered and just you know, I started to participate in. But the reason that I stayed was because there were three women there who were moderators. And they were great. They were great. Really. They did a tremendous at the, they they were heroes, you know. They were like um, online therapists. It's the ones that people never talk about. Yeah, but they were like, you know, these mentors on this Yahoo group. And they were no bullshit, you know? I mean, they were no nonsense. It, it was not like it is now with, we need safe space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no you know trigger warnings, please. Were there were no trigger warnings. They were straight up. <laughs> You know, and um, they were straight up. They are harsh. Mm -hmm. This one in particular, and I, I wish that I draconian, ding ding, yeah. <laughs> gold star on your refrigerator. I kept that. So, um, your word. But I feel, and it, I'm sad that it makes me sad that I can't remember her name because she was hugely influential on me. But I was talking about this with her because I struggled with this for a long time before I finally did it, mm. and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chuck's in the window. <laughs> Chuck's running. Uh, Crazy word. Chuck's uh, <laughs> podcast bombing us. <laughs> the On the other side of the glass. Yeah. Yeah, we actually um, have glass. I love that. It's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, what was I saying? About um, the train uh, Yeah, they were draconian. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you upped my game. That's good. <laughs> anyway, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? We're uh, talking about the w the women in the group. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You okay, I can't remember her name. DIY. 
I can't remember her name, but I wish I could. But she gave me the best advice, and it's the advice that I, in turn, pass on to anyone who solicits it from me, which is, and this is her words, not mine, but what she said to me was, are you prepared to sacrifice everything to become a chick? And those are her words, not mine. No letters, <laughs> please. Her words. Are you, are you prepared to lose it all? Are you prepared to sacrifice everything? House, family, children, wife, job, your relationships with your extended family, everything, all your possessions, everything. Are you prepared Lose it to all. Set, to lose it all. And start To sacrifice over. everything to become a chick. And uh, the answer to that question, the first time that she posed it to me, was no. I was not. I didn't want to lose everything. You know, I, I had, I did not want to be separated from my children. I didn't want to lose everything. I, I, I had, I had put, a lot of my life into getting to the place where I was. Mm -hmm. And the, the honest answer to the question was no. At the time, it was no. And for a long time thereafter, the answer remained no for a long time, for years. And like I said before, gender dysphoria is progressive and it advanced and it worsened and it got to a point where the answer to the question are you prepared to lose everything to become a chick it was no longer that was no longer the question the question was do you want to live or do you want to die do you want to live and uh, I got to a place where I, I was at a fork in the road. And I could look down the one fork. And down that road was nothing but Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, down that road was nothing but, but blackness. You know, that was the road to nowhere. That was oblivion, which was the path that I was on. And then I could look down this road. And I could see, you know, if not Elysium... Or, you know, whatever. Look up. <laughs> um, if not, you know, some kind of like golden paradise, yeah, at least I could see that there was light. Exactly. Yeah. And the possibility of actually having something like a happy, fulfilled life. You had to do it. And what happened was, I. Waved the white flag, and I, I I waved the white flag, and I I surrendered. And when I finally decided to transition, it was more of a capitulation than anything else. I gave up. So this reminds me a lot, like of last night at the event when we were working. When Toby was saying, he's like, "I don't want to be a rapper. I yeah. just kind of ended up there." 
Yeah. Like, do you kind of relate with that? Totally. Like, where it's like, because you were saying, like, yeah, no, you know, that struck me too. Want to be like a woman, but it's just well, like, I didn't. Um, it's not that I didn't want to be a woman. It's that, first of all, I feel like, on a very profound level, I have always been a woman. Right. Like he didn't have a it's choice. It's just that my body has been my enemy, and my endocrinological system was not cooperating hmm. with that. And so it was forcing these biological circumstances on me that were incorrect and inappropriate and not right. And um, and so I, it was almost like, like there's a term that they use in the community. It's called testosterone poisoning. And when children, when transgender children express at a very young age that they are trans, which is happening, you know, more and more frequently now. And I think it's a wonderful because thing. Because, yeah, now it's like a known thing that they can actually like bring up they're like hey like i learned about this i think that might be happening to me yeah but then the parents just pump them with testosterone well or estrogen or uh, well it depends like you know if it's female if it's right if it's male to female what they can do is before the onset of puberty they can head off what they refer to as testosterone poisoning which means you can transition before you hit puberty and you can never be placed in the position where you you have to experience male development from the testosterone associated with puberty you can actually transition before puberty and if you do that then you can basically grow up as a woman like a you know and at the end of the end and and when you become an adult you are just you're it's you it's almost like you're not even transgender you just you know you grow up as a woman so um but i was very acutely aware of testosterone poisoning but not you know not so much insofar as the secondary sexual characteristic development things of that nature but i just like i said before I just hated how it made me feel. I hated the wolfman juice in my body. You know, I hated the hit in my body. I just hated it. So, um, but it got, like I said, whether you want to live with the wolfman juice that you've worked a lifetime to achieve or not, it came down to, you know, do you want to live? And I wanted to live. Chose life. And um, and so around this time, um, a very, very significant conversation happened between me and Jen. And it was agreed that we all needed to get therapy. Yeah. That she needed to get therapy. I needed to get therapy. We needed to get couples therapy. Mm-hmm. And she put me on notice. Um, she said, if things are not better, this was actually like right around Memorial Day of 2009. And My um, okay. oh, <laughs> what up, King of Wizards? <laughs> <laughs> but she said, It's now, or you know, it is what it is as far as the calendar and the date right now. If things are not significantly better by Labor Day, I'm divorcing you because I've had enough. And uh, and I couldn't argue, I couldn't argue with her, yeah. So I found my therapist, her name is Marilyn Siegel. She has a practice on University Place in Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she I don't really go to her that much anymore. I, ha- I actually haven't spoken to her in months now, but for years she was my therapist and she saved my life. She supported you, I guess. Well, she was my therapist and yeah. you know, and so, you know, she asked all the tough questions and, you know. Yeah. And uh, I worked through it with her. Were you and her only trans? Yes. Like and she actually had to do a lot of reading and a lot of studying and a lot of research so that she could treat me, yeah. so that she could deal with so me. So what, what made you choose her over someone who She was referred by a therapist that was referred to me by Callan Lord, who was not taking patients. Okay. And he was he was a specialist in transgender related issues and, and other, you know, kind of related things, LGBT issues. But he had a full portfolio of right. clients yeah. and uh, he could not take me on. But, and so he referred me to Marilyn and said, you know, Marilyn is not a specialist, but she's terrific and wonderful and amazing and extraordinary and beautiful and old. And she is, but she doesn't have a background in this, but she will study and she will, you know, get the background so that she can be an effective therapist for you. And That's and amazing. she did that. And now she has yeah. several transgender clients, but I was her first. But um, yeah. so I, I went to Maryland for, I guess it was like twice a week for the first couple of months. But it, as we got towards that Labor Day deadline that, that Jen set, it didn't even get to Labor Day. It was sometime in like mid-August. I asked her to, you know, come chat with me at the dining room table. And um, I told her, I said, listen, you know, therapy has been extremely helpful. And I need to tell you that I need to move forward and I I need to go ahead and and transition. And she's like, sweetie, I know that. (laughs) I know that. It's like, I've just been waiting for you to realize it. (laughs) Yeah. You know? so, so you're fully transi- you're fully 100 percent trans transition. Woman. I haven't had surgery. Yet. Oh, you haven't had it. No, I haven't had sex reassignment surgery yet. You plan? It's on sixty thousand dollars. Oh, what? and it's not covered by. That's enough to make it's me generally, not do especially it. now in the Trump era. Um, the whole process altogether is probably just like half. It's a, a lot of dollars. money. Yeah. it's horrifying. Yeah. It's a lot of money. I haven't had any surgical procedures at all. I'm just hormones, but which is enough. It fixed the problems that I need to have fixed, mm-hmm. right? Which was all endocrinological and mm-hmm. and you know, and that's really that made the hell stop. That made it stop. You know, when I waved the white flag, when I capitulated, when I gave up, when I surrendered, I was surrendering the fight. I was surrendering Resisting. fighting. Yeah. I was I I gave up fighting. I just gave up fighting it, and you know, right. so it's not yeah. like, you know, it's not like not like I conquered this. It's not like yes, you know, yeah, <sighs> because you like know, you said, I, it. I <laughs> am woman. Yeah, <laughs> a like a personal thing. It was a it was a mental biological thing for yeah. you. So yeah. like, I would imagine there there's not like I don't know like there's some relief, but. I don't know, like, I can't even imagine, like, what it was yeah. like for you and how it's like. Well, yeah, is there when any I other... Made, when I made the decision, is I'll it, just continue with the story. Is it like Klaus feeling is? Like, what is the feeling of... Of being gender dysphoric? Yeah. 
it feels like you're mourning for the person that was never born. Mourning. You're 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 mourning for the life of a woman yeah. who was never born. So it's it's not like a depression, it's like a grieving. It's, yes. Like missing out. Like you It's like a mourning. You know, you're you're grie you're grieving. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a, a sadness. It's a hell, and it's but it's like you you feel like you your body is betraying you, and your body is forcing things on you that you don't want, and it's forcing you to make you it's forcing you to to make you feel things that you don't want to feel, and you don't feel like you fit in, and you don't really feel like you are participating fully in a life as a male because you're not really a guy. Mm. So like, you just can't relate to guys in a lot of ways, you know, and you know, they're doing all this guy stuff and they're obviously like feeling all these guy feeling or what like they, you know, you just feel like you're just not that, yeah. but you're not female either. And you know that in your heart and in your soul that you're female, but your body won't let you be. And it's forcing this shit on you. You know what's funny? Like in in my life, like kind of like trying to like relate to anything that you've been through. Like in my life, I very I always was because I have two older brothers who were like manly men. Like when you act out the gorillas, those are my those my brothers. Yeah. Um, and I was never like that, and I was always more flamboyant and eccentric than my brothers like uh, i said like i told i got this coat in the woman's yeah. section of yeah. marshall's it's not the first time and it's not yeah no i <laughs> do a lot of shopping over there um and i always like i went through life with a lot of people thinking i was gay and a lot of people just like knowing i was weird but like even my girlfriend she she like would ask me she's like she's like do you think you're gay like do you think like other things and i'm like no because i i don't feel you're like, not attracted to dudes yeah that yeah there's that i'm you not know? attracted to dudes and that's it you know yeah. and i was like other I, than that you just you know you have your own you just have you're yourself yeah exactly you know, you're your own authentic self and you don't have to put labels on it and you don't exactly, have to explain because it to I was anybody like, yeah and i was like i don't feel like i'm a woman because i was like i i'm not like grieving i'm not like longing for something like that yeah you don't feel like your own you know your your body is is doing all these things that i just described you yeah. know like and you're like not... i hate like because like when i would try to explain it to people like it, it's i hated the way i had to because it's like the only way i could say it. i was like i'm like a gay guy in a straight guy's body and <laughs> i'm like and that sounds like so harsh because not all gay guys are the same like they don't all yeah, yeah it's like media's vert interpretation yeah, it's, of what a gay it's that guy stereotype is. and i was like i'm it's not like that i'm just you're just yourself flamboyant yeah, I feel <laughs> you just are way. what you are exactly and, you know, yeah. and it's like you know I, I again you know i you don't have to you know you know you shouldn't really have to explain yourself to no. anybody you, you know you're just yeah you are who you are and you are what you are and you dress the way the dress you dress and you cut your hair the way you cut your hair because that's how you like it exactly it and that's word. what like and I, that you know it's there's you don't have to f- put that into some kind of you know like 
you know, the stars go in the star hole and the circles yes. go in the circle hole and the squares go in the square hole. And, you know, and, and, I, it, and if you're and the rhombus goes in the rhombus <laughs> hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rhombus hole. Rhombus. I know what a rhombus is. Uh, and like, I, <laughs> I, I just I love that idea. And like kind of like like how you like um, like projected and stuff where it's like it doesn't matter in the long run. But it's like with like these communities, like they are like they they're getting very strict with like how things are described and how things are said. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like that is just putting more labels and segregating more because there is that the worst thing that humans have ever done was like segregate races and identities and religions and stuff. Mm. And I think that's like, like I know they mean well where it's like, I'm this, I'm not this. I'm not like you. I am different. Okay, that's fine, but like, just be you. Yeah, and I, yeah. I don't think you have to throw labels on everything. No, again, you know, it becomes like the EDM music genre, exactly. where it's yes. like, you know, how many different subgenres does there have to be? Yeah, you I, know, it's like I never met a subgenre that I didn't like. When it gets you know? to the point, how do we describe this new? <laughs> You know this new, uh, you know this new new EDM thing. Well, it's kind of you know, like you don't have to make a label for everything. Yeah. And when it gets to that point, it's like I don't even like. Just I just enjoy someone, the music. I was talking know? to someone. I was like, "Oh, what do you? What music do you like?" They're like, "I like like that in industrial electric." <laughs> I'm like, "Is that music? Because that sounds like construction work. Like I don't know what. Like we just just say like like." Yeah. Yeah, like you don't I, have to. It has to be everything. a lot. Like, yeah, I think things have to be broader instead of. Well, narrower. like in China, <laughs> like there's like five different words or something for the word love, right? Yeah, like, like how does anyone talk or love, communicate? There's, yeah, there's <laughs> and in India, there's actually a third sex. You know, really? there's a yeah, there's an accepted third sex, which is you know kind of like. Um, non-binary is what we would probably call it now right. but you know it's like the you know the, the and they're fine with it you know it's uh, it's they're they're i assume that they're they're transgender women or or <laughs> but and that's what we would call them but they're just you know yeah they have an actual like designated third sex for for it but anyway yeah. which is kind of cool we're yeah. all you know, and in India, there's so uh, many yeah. people. They're probably I, just like, all right, that's that makes it easier to like figure things out. <laughs> uh, I love that New York State now has non-binary that you can put on your driver's license. This that's guy says, uh, really. This guy says sometimes it's important to put labels on people. For example, labeling races allows minority groups to be equally represented. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. King of wizards. <laughs> Good job. Okay. Agreed. Um. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes. I, you know, sometimes. I, I don't like them though. I don't like labels. I, I mean. I mean well, you know, sometimes things have to. I be don't described. like saying like, who, yeah. Joe, who are you?" And then like most people will just be like, "I'm an accountant. I'm this." And like, yeah. I don't like that. You know. I, yeah. Sometimes you know, th um, from a cultural standpoint, where there is so much inequality, um, I, you know, you can see where there has to be a language. There has to be a rubric, kind of. There has to be yeah. a language um, that you know you that you can use to express conditions, mm -hmm. and part of that is um, describing the people involved, you know. And there, and obviously, there has to be language for that. Sure. So, but anyway, but but from my standpoint, um, 
this is more of a, you know, for me, it was a mental and emotional health thing that had to do with my physiology. And um, I just felt like I did what I had to do because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be happy. Have the hormones affected you negatively at all? Yeah. Like how? That's a good question, Joe. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I get anxiety. Is that a side effect going into it that I tell you about? That they tell you? No, not really. I mean, I suppose maybe. I guess it's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. But I never used to have anxiety before, and now I'm prone to anxiety a little bit. What Um, What is anxiety to you? Fear, irrational fear Uh, of the future. well, no, of nothing in particular. Like, it doesn't have a, a cause. It doesn't really necessarily, doesn't need a trigger. Have, yeah, I have that. It's just this irrational kind of I'm relating to you a lot, fear. and it's kind of concerning me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and again, you know, and, and it, 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 it cycles with my hormone um, cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I inject every 10 days. I don't take pills. I do uh, intramuscular injection of estradiol valerate. Straight from the beginning was injection. One milliliter of 20 milligram every 10 days. And um, I, I do it myself. I'm ambidextrous. I do it with both <laughs> hands. And um, it's a 10-day cycle. Uh, for a while, I was on a two-week cycle. I went from a 10-day cycle... I went to a two-week cycle, and now I'm back on a 10-day cycle. A shot a day for 10 days? No, no, no. no. Uh, A shot every 10 days. Every 10 days. okay, okay. Every 10 days. But what happens is um, what they call troughing, which is where your hormone levels dip. You know, incrementally, very slowly over the course of the 10 days, your hormone levels dip, and then you inject, and your hormone levels spike. Estrogen spikes, right? And so dips when when you inject the hormones? It's what? It spikes estrogen and then testosterone dips. Well, no, no. It's just that the estrogen levels fluctuate. Oh. I, I have just a whiff of testosterone now. I have like nothing. Like oh. it's single digits now. My, t- my T count Oh, like nothing. But my estrogen levels fluctuate. And um, Well, we have estrogen, right? Guys have. A little, a tiny little bit. And women have testosterone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, and actually, you know, it's good for both to have well, in, in small quantities. But Feminine um, size is important. Feminine size is important for men. Yeah. It is? Yeah. So I like, agree. I agree. Uh, and that's another whole topic of conversation that we can get into. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but my, my hormone levels fluctuate a little bit. But at, at the end of, and I kind of have a cycle. I have like a 10-day mini cycle. And at the end of my cycle, when my hormone levels are low, I tend to be more prone to anxiety. But, you know, it comes and goes. Um, I was going to yeah. say, because it's like since your testosterone or T level is so low, when your estrogen dips, you're kind of at this weird state of yeah. like no or very, very little hormones. Yeah, it's it's emotional. You know, is, it's is just it's it just emotional. It's uh, and again, you know, cisgender women have it when, you know, with menstruation and, you know, PMS or whatever. Um, hormone, you know, women's hormone levels fluctuate. And, and so they they get this too and it's just a natural uh thing that is attendant upon fluctuation of hormone levels so you know but it's it, it's 
it's fairly you know it was fairly new to me um you know when it started happening and it's actually just within the last few years that the anxiety thing has kind of started but For it's me, what it, it's just an like irrational a, fear it's just this kind of dread and yeah, and i like know when i feel it and i look at the calendar and i'm like i'm i'm feeling like i'm forgetting something important and i have this kind of irrational just this irrational kind of fear this anxiety and i'm thinking about like what am i forgetting what's causing me what's what's in my subconscious that's causing me to have this feeling what am i forgetting i'm forgetting something very important and you know and it's, so it's troubling and then i look at the calendar and i'm like okay i'm fine you know it's just like <laughs> that's just yeah. what it is is it like a panic attack like a little bit palms, no like? not really it's just it's something that grates on you you know yeah have you ever had a panic no. attack i have you oh yeah I can't say that I have. Where it's like the heart just beating so fast. Yeah. Uh, before I went to Honduras, the last plane flight I took, I had such a bad panic attack that made me go to the doctor mm. and get meds Checked for it. out? Yeah. And, uh, what I got were you thinking, for. if I can ask? For like, me, my fear, like, like what my was anxiety there? didn't come up from a fear of flying. Like I've flown before. I wasn't afraid the plane was going to blow up i was afraid like my heart was gonna blow up mm-hmm. from being in the plane not from being in the plane just from being panicked like i yeah, would have uh, you know I, but um, there was no reason that you were panicking you were no. just you thinking just, about your heart the being thing is so it, it becomes like a feedback wow. loop yes you, exactly. you're scared at how fast your heart is beating and yeah. that just makes it beat faster. yo i've had because i i had it where i would have um palpitations and so it's like my heart was beating really fast. I would hyperventilate, so my hands would go numb, and that just makes me think, "This is it. I'm dying." Yeah. Dude, I've had it. And it was <laughs> if it wasn't for this one flight attendant named Debbie, who somehow, like ironically, she was actually writing a book on anxiety. Huh. Uh, she pulled me to the front what and she really calmed me down. I know it was That's crazy. So, crazy. so like, yeah, with her, like she helped me, and then I decided to. Did you say something to her, or she just noticed you were bugging? Uh, I was bugging, and I was like standing up on the plane. Yeah, and like I was in like the middle seat, so they were like, "What are you doing?" Like, this guy is possible, like suspect security. (laughs) So the flight attendant starting run over, and I said, "Like, I'm just having a panic attack." Mm -hmm. And then she knew exactly what to do. What to do? Tell me. And it's crazy, and I feel like it's becoming a more common thing now with younger people. And I don't know if that's just because there's more people talking about it. Mm. So I think like it is. A lot I think of people are on anxiety meds. I bet you yeah. my parents and our parents were like having these all the time. Like yeah, when they were kids, like, like scared of their parents, like being there. Yeah, ass. like when you were younger, if someone panicked, it's like stop being a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that very tough love. Yeah. And now it's. Well, a lot of things went undiagnosed when I was a kid. Yeah, Autism, exactly. for one. You yeah. know, like, a, or, and, or ADD, you know, hyperactivity, you know, a lot yeah. of things, but like, you never saw this, you know, you never saw autism diagnoses. They're all like getting labeled. Now. Yeah. <laughs> now like when I was labels. a kid and it's not that, and maybe there are more, I, again, I'm no expert on this, but, uh, I think that there probably are more autistic kids now for whatever reasons, be that, you know, environmental factors or, or what have you. But, right. but back then you just didn't. It's not that it wasn't there. It's just that it, we didn't have it the, wasn't we didn't understood. have the diagnosis for this yeah. stuff then. And exactly. now everything is a lot more um, understood. Yeah. 
So I have three questions. Okay. <laughs> if you don't have, and they're kind of three very different. Ask questions. any questions you want. Yeah, I am an open book, okay. and I'm not a snowflake. I can take it. So I will start like still kind of somewhat on topic. Well, wait. Did you actually finish everything with Jen? Did you get through? Well, I forgot if you got through the whole story because I want to <laughs> yeah, finish okay. that, and then we. Well, can... when I told Jen that I was going to transition, she was like, "I know that. I knew. You know, I'm just waiting for you to figure that out. So this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to get divorced." Uh, you know, and she, and it was like she punched all these buttons. You know, it's like she had it all worked out in her head, and all she had to do was punch the. So big she was waiting button. for this. Yes. Like the. Yes. And then, and because she, she had it all already worked out in her head, and she's like, "Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a divorce mediator. I'm going to call a real estate agent. I'm going to inquire about selling the house. You're going to move out on September first, and wow. I don't want you to live in Freeport, but I don't want you to live too far away from Freeport either." But not too close, and like it was ching, ching, ching. Already looked up these homes. You're gonna and go. she, you know, she had it all thought out, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. kind of like hard. You know, body blows. <clears throat> and um, and I was like, wow, I can't really process this right now. <laughs> so um, and I actually tried to get out of it. And, you know, a few days later, I was like, listen, I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. I changed my. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave the kids. I don't. I, I want to. You know. And she's like, whoa, 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 time out, that time. She's like, wait a second. She's like, I am a heterosexual woman, and I have news for you. We are never having sex again. And I'll tell you this, I'm not going for the next ten years without sex. So, you need to do what you need to do. And I need to do what I need to do. But the most important thing is that we need to become the best people that we can be and the most together people that we can be, the most well-adjusted, the happiest people that we can be so that we can be the best possible parents to our children. And if you go ahead and do this, and if it makes you happy, and if it fulfills you so that you can be a happy person, you are going to be a much better parent to our children. My wife's very wise. And she was right. And it's just no, there's no arguing with that. Sounds like a smart person. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are plan. reasons why I married her. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I knew, she, I knew that she was going to be the mother of my children, and I knew she, that, that she would be the best mom ever. And she is, and she, you know, she was, and she is still. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved out. I I didn't move out on September first because that was a little harsh. But uh, I moved out on October first of two thousand and nine, and it actually got down to the wire where, like, I was committed to moving out on October first, and I didn't have anywhere to go. Mm. And I thought that I was going to wind up having to move back in with my mother out in Manitoc. And finally, I put the APB out, and I went back to my old friends on the DIY hormones list on <laughs> Yahoo groups, and I was like, mayday, mayday. You know, I really need to find a place to live in the New York City area. If anyone knows anybody who might have a room or be looking for a roommate, please get in touch. Like, maybe an hour later one of the moderators from DIY Hormones, you know, inboxed me 
was her phone number. Call me. I have something for you. Wow. She lived up in Burlington, Vermont. And she's like, I know someone. She's a trans woman. Her name is Debbie. She lives in Jackson Heights, Queens. She has an extra room. And I know that she could probably use the extra income that she could get from renting out one of her spare rooms. She has a, a co-op on 35th Avenue, 35th Avenue between 76 and 77th in Jackson Heights. Beautiful area. You know, it's like the Park Avenue of Queens. And um, and but she she had this big two bedroom and it was just her. And um, so I met Deb, and we hit it off, and we keep became we became friends. And she invited me to uh, you know to come in and rent out her spare room. And October first, two thousand nine, I moved into Jackson Heights, Queens, and I I lived with Deb. For I just I spend Thanksgiving with Deb now. That's our tradition. We call it Transgiving. Yeah. I go back to Jackson Heights every Thanksgiving, and I have uh, I have Thanksgiving with Deb and two other wonderful transgender women who that's awesome. Jen's uh, Deb's girlfriend and uh, another friend of ours, uh, Gina, who awesome. was Deb's best friend when I was living there, and is still Deb's best friend. So, uh, but I lived in Jackson Heights with Deb for. Uh, for three for three years, and then the opportunity came along for me to move into an apartment that was literally right around the block from Jen and the kids. Wow! And I took it, <laughs> and I don't know that Jen was so delighted about it. But at that time, you know, things had gotten better, and yeah. she didn't she didn't say anything about it. And it was nice because I got to at the time, I was working from home. So I got to go over in the afternoon after the kids got out of school and watch Ellen with my daughter. And, and, you know, and it was really nice for a while. And then Sandy came and Freeport. fucked everything up. Yeah, and, uh, Freeport. I, we, were, we were both in the flood zone. And, um, I think all of Freeport's like in the flood yeah, zone. Yeah, <laughs> well, down it, it was actually just South Freeport, way down by the water. And miraculously, Jen and the kids' house was not flooded. The water came up to, it touched the joists in the crawl space because it was built on a mound. It was very, very well thought out when they built this house. They, they built up the earth on the, on the, on the lot, and then Ooh. they put the house up on this mound. And um, there was five and a half feet of water in the street during Sandy. And you could see the line on the joists in the crawl space where the water got up, but just so far... And it was about this far from the kitchen floor. And they didn't get any water inside the house. The house that I was living in at the time, not so much. <laughs> Underwater. So, um, so I wound up going to Craigslist and looking for a place to live. And I got very lucky. I found the place that I am living in now in Bayshore. And I have a very, very good deal. And as it turns out, it all worked out for the best because shortly after I moved to Bayshore, I started working here at Viper. And so that all kind of worked out. Beautifully. Yeah. Awesome. Now, you know, I'm like now you're here. 15 minute drive, you know, yeah. from from Bayshore to Holbrook. And you're a mover. Uh, <laughs> am I? Can I get a sweatshirt? When am I going to get my sure. like... I want my clothing. I yeah, want my we'll, mover Brandon clothing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, sweatshirt. so, uh, but, you know, my kids, that, you know, everybody asks. Yeah, I was going like to Like this morning, I was able questions. to take one question yeah. when I did this call into Pace University. And the one question that I, that I got asked was, you know, how were your kids with this? And um, at the time that I began transition nine and a half years ago, um, they were still young, especially my daughter was very young. Um, I mean, you can do the math. My eldest now is almost 21. My middle is 19. And Julie is 17. So, you know, deduct nine. And that's how old they were when I, or 10. And that's how old they are. And that's how old they were. They were very young. My sure. kids are, my kids are my heroes. They really are. Um, they did not want to hurt my feelings. And they worked very hard. That's the coffee maker. Um, they worked very hard. They worked very hard to not, you know, to, to spare me, to spare my feelings and to not hurt my feelings and to not show that they were having a any kind of a hard time with it and uh you know they really they wanted to support me and they didn't want to hurt my feelings and they didn't want me to feel bad so at one point jen says to me listen i know that you think that the kids are handling this really well and she said you need to know that they're not that they're not handling this anywhere near as well as you think as you think that they are or that they are letting on you need to know that they are struggling with this it's like okay you know thank you for telling me that i appreciate it but my kids are heroes you know it it, it was a big adjustment for them and i guess to you know on some level continues to be a little bit but um but they have been extremely supportive. We're very close. They're my oh, best yeah, friends. Yeah. Like that's what I was saying. I'm there twice a week. Now. Oh, cool. I'm there twice a week. I have the same custody days that I've had since Jen and I split, and I've never missed one unless it was something having to do with work or whatever. But um, I'm there every Thursday from after work until nine o'clock at night. Hmm. When they were little, I used to be there on Saturdays from ten o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night. But now they're practically adults, and um, I'm there from four o'clock in the afternoon until nine o'clock at night, and I hang out. You know, they're in their rooms. Gabe's in his room gaming, and mm-hmm. Julie's up in her room on Snapchat, and Ethan's off. She's in seventeen, his, right? So. And Ethan's off in his, you know, somewhere in his BMW. And uh, <laughs> what a podcast! And uh, and I'm usually in the living room watching sports <laughs> really <laughs> doing my laundry <laughs> Being a ma- you know yeah, i do my laundry at the house <laughs> and, but you know they're in and out and their friends are in and out and ethan's girlfriend is in and out and you know and and um and it's cool you know it's it's very chill and jen and i get along very well we probably get along as well now as as we ever have really you That's know awesome. jen and i have a a um, you know, we're not going fishing together anytime soon, <laughs> but, you know, we can sit together in the kitchen and chat and, and talk about, you know, friends and family and have a civilized conversation. And it, There's no toxicity. There's no negativity. There's no acrimony. 
you know, there's no anger. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, animosity. Animosity. I know a lot of words. A lot of big words. You have good words. (laughs) You and Donald Trump. (laughs) Did she ever, yeah, huge. Did she ever remarry or move on or? She had a boyfriend for a long time. I liked him a lot. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, up in boy, up in um, swell dude. Yeah, he was. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. He was a but good guy. Didn't work out. His name was Jules. Um, he was, I, I, I liked him a lot. He I, was a really good guy. You know, he, he's he, the only Jules you've ever known. I'm sure, right? So I've never heard of that. It's a good name. Fun Jules. Fiction. Jules. Jules. Um, yeah, he. Uh, my ex Jen, she has a lot of friends up in Boston and yeah. Plymouth, and uh, so they met friends of friends, and uh, they they struck up a little thing for a while. And he used to about I guess once a month or so he would come down to Freeport and hang out, and then once a month she would go up to Boston mm-hmm. and hang out or Plymouth or whatever. And when she would go up to uh you know to spend the weekend with him i would spend the entire weekend at the house with the kids and you know it was all very amicable it was very cool but i I like jules he was a good guy and then um and then they broke up you know and now and she hasn't she hasn't didn't not that i know of anyway (laughs) she could be seeing someone and just hasn't chosen to tell me about it but um but yeah and i have not been in a relationship since i split with her which is sad because I like to be in relationships. Yeah, you've been you know? looking. As a serial monogamist. I'm a serial monogamist, and I, yeah. I thrive in relationships. I, I do very well I think well I do, too. You know, I like to be in long relationships. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend. Like Eric Thomas before. said last night, you know, it takes a duo. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I do well as part of a duo. And it's sad to me now. And, you know, now I, I've gotten to the point now at this stage of the game where I feel like I'm probably never going to be in a relationship again. And I'm starting that. to think that never maybe, say never. yeah, I know, but you just start to feel like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is it, and maybe I just go the rest of the way solo. You know, I think once you think that, then you meet someone. <laughs> you know, I've done the Tinder thing, I've done the online dating yeah. thing, and you know, I've I've gone out with guys, I've gone out with girls, um, and nothing has really worked out. So. Um, Hi, if anybody's out there. <laughs> well, this guy's asking me about my cup. He's like, is that a Robinson Cano cup? <laughs> and no, <laughs> it's Derek Jeter, Hideki Matsui, and Johnny Damon. <laughs> and that's it. Johnny Damon's cute. Yeah, he's saying. right here. No beard. I like I like the scruffy Johnny. Yeah, are you scruffy still you're still Johnny. a sports fan, I guess. I like right? scruffy men. Scruff. I like scruffy baseball players. Very yeah. attracted to scruffy baseball players. My brother was a baseball player. Is he and, scruff? Uh, he just came out of. Uh, so I was going to say it's kind of secret, but none of my family listens to this podcast. Yeah. But my <laughs> brother and his fiance actually just split. They call it, called off their wedding and wow. broke up. And broke up. Wow. Better now than after you married. That's yeah. But that's, that's like what one they, extreme to the other. Like I said, yeah. like you're, or, you know, sometimes you, you you know, and it's very very brave to come to that realization yeah. because it really takes more than love to make a marriage work. And if you come to that really awkward moment where you realize that we love each other but we don't <laughs> have the kind of chemistry that is going to survive us being on top of each other figuratively and literally, you know, every day for the yeah. rest of our lives, you know, like it takes a lot of guts to make that recognition and make yeah. that call. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, my brother Scruffy, and he used to play baseball. Does so. he want to date? Ask him what's up. I don't know. He's might, single might now. Too, yeah. Yeah, he's single now. Might be too, <laughs> too soon, <laughs> but maybe in a couple months. What's up, Oddcast? I'm Joe. This is Tommy, and this is Cap. Hey. He's like, what's up? <laughs> what's, up? <laughs> what's everyone's names? Um, so, but that answered like my other question. So I was going to ask, like, how are the kids feel? They're great now, Ethan. This past Saturday, my eldest, he just uh, left to go up to Connecticut to Lincoln Tech. He's going to be living up there on campus at Lincoln Tech. He's taking welding. Um, He spent most of the last year in uh, the Middle East with the U.S. Army Reserves. Did a 10-month deployment in the Middle East. Wow. He just got back in September. And uh, and now he just went up to uh, to Connecticut to spend the next ten months at Lincoln Tech learning welding. And Gabe has a job. Gabe works at a car dealership. Uh, in in uh, on Long Island, Nassau County. Oh. And um and Julie's oh. still in high school. Julie wants to go to Pace University, which is ironic because I did that call-in thing today, yes. that <laughs> web thing with Pace University today. That was just coincidental, but she really Thank wants to go to Pace. So my kids are doing great. You know, everything, all in all, everything's good. That's I awesome. didn't even realize it was 6.30. Wow. We should probably wrap this up. Well, yeah. I didn't know. We were supposed to leave at 5.45. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> all right. So all right, one then. last question just to end okay. it off. Okay. It's kind of a, a... You had three. Yeah. That you, was, you was answered that one? one. And the other one was just about your tattoos, which I could ask okay. you in the office That's, any day. Okay. But this one, it's a bit of a tougher question. Because um, you said the um, gender dysphoria dysphoria yeah. dysphoria since it you said it kind of is like cumulative and it progresses progressive yeah. as it goes on um do you think it like would it get to the point where you see yourself like going through with an operation well i think you want to right just so well you have the money. yeah i mean i thought you were going to say would it if if left untreated would it progress to a point where you would commit suicide and the answer to that question is yes, mm. um, without question. And 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 trans people commit suicide every day. I think yeah, trans. But as far as you know, having the operation, I would totally have surgery if I could, if I had the wherewithal to do it, if I and had then, the money and, and whatnot. Then, I, I totally would go through with it. And yes, then at that sure. point, after you got that surgery, like, is that the where you would see like the dysmorphia going away? No, the the the, the gender dysphoria went dysphoria. away. It went away. It's gone now. It's been gone since, I guess, about maybe four to six weeks after I started hormones. Okay. So, you know, the, that's what the hormones were for for me. The hormones are, were the cure. Got you. And, you know, when I say it was this, my situation and, and my condition was based in my endocrine status quo my endocrine situation it's an endocrinolo- endocrinological matter mm-hmm. it's a blood chemistry matter it's a brain chemistry matter it's a hormonal thing mm-hmm. as soon as i got my shit together and got straightened out hormonally it's fine quick That's story now and then we'll, we'll close i remember when i really first felt the difference of from being on on hormones, I, you know, and I, I've talked about this with other trans women, and I've asked them if they've ever had a moment like this, where and most of them were like, no, that, I never had that. But for me, 
one day, I guess it was about six weeks after I started hormones. And I'm at work, got my computer, you know. And um, I just feel this, it's almost like pins and needles, like an adrenaline wave, or like a hot flash that just went through my body. And I just like shivered, and it was just like this, I guess it was like, a, I guess maybe it was almost like a hot flash, like menopausal women get it, you know, something really? like that. I don't know, but it was it was strange, and I had never really experienced anything like it before, but it like gave me goosebumps. And yeah. And then I took a deep breath, and I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, it was you like know, you it, were it, high it, almost? Well, it was just, it's very, very hard to describe. But the way I like to describe it is, it was like in The Wizard of Oz, when it goes from being a black and white movie to being to a color. color movie. And that's what it was like. Wow. You know, and I felt like this whole part of me that had been dormant, had crossed some kind of a threshold. Yeah. Where now that everything just ah, uh, everything just turned on. Like an aha moment. Kind like, of. Mm-hmm. So it was like that, like your true. You know, it was like the, the somebody. It was like flipping on a switch. It's like you that, know, like that was cat taking control. On. Yeah, that was like it was like a moment where, and the way I, and and again, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I just play one on TV. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that it was a threshold moment where the it had crossed the line where the number of estrogen receptors in my brain had gone from being or the number of estrogen receptors in my brain that had bonded or paired with the hormones with their hormonal counterpart had gone from being in the minority to being in the majority. And I think it, it was just like a moment where I, you know, my, my, my system had just enough hormones had paired up with enough receptors where now most of my estrogen receptors were, were pairing with, with estrogen. Mm-hmm. And, and there was just this feeling of fulfillment of, of completion, you know, of being, of being whole. That's great. But it was this SpongeBob moment where it was like, oh, yeah, you know, and uh, and I was like, I can work with this. Okay, now everything's normal. Now everything's good. We can move forward. You know, and 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 ever since, like, I just feel normal. So no, you know, it just makes the it makes all of that hell go. It made it all go away. That's awesome. And now I just feel normal. You know, but I'm a very different person than I used to be. I'm I'm a very very different person, and it, it's it's almost like being reincarnated within the same lifetime. Right. Yeah. I'm sure. You yeah. know, like, you like, really, yeah. like it's totally different. <laughs> yeah, like I'm literally a different person, and Chuck has known me for years. I've known Chuck since 2001. Yeah. 17 years now and he, he, knew, he knew me for many years before a transition mm-hmm. and you can ask him when he does this with you guys when he sits here and, and does his little thing you can ask him tell me about cat tell me about what cat was like <laughs> when cat was still tim that was my that's my dead oh, name tim okay. see part of me like didn't yeah, even want to know that. i didn't <laughs> yeah even tim Ro- think t- to t- ask. Tell, tell chuck tell me about tim roach 
and it's so so weird to even say that now. Yeah. Like, it's like I'm talking about a different person, like which it, I really yeah. am. Yeah. But you know, tell us the differences. Like, what are the real differences in like the personality or whatever? Like, what are the real differences between him and Kat? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he could probably give you a very lengthy answer. I'm too close to it. So I know that right. I'm a very, very different person, but I can't really tell you, I can't pinpoint for you, like, in what way. Yeah, how you would say I just know that I'm different. Mm-hmm. Better. This guy wants to know real quick what you think about transgenders in sports. Like, I know I've seen, like, uh, well, guys that transgender to transition to women and then like they just like beat up all the girl wrestlers well you know, you know like, this is the thing there are, it depends on the sport um and it depends on at what age the 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 woman transitions if she transitions at a time that is significantly after puberty where her skeleton has grown to uh you know what would be a masculine sized skeleton and then transitions. What happens is the muscles and the strength when you transition basically basically um, depletes. No, well, yeah, they they become what is fairly normal for cisgendered women. In other words, the physical strength factor there's not a significant difference between transgender women and cisgendered women as far as like musculature, muscle bulk. Mm-hmm. But transgender women who transition, and again, you know, there's a difference between transitioning before puberty and after puberty. But if you transition after puberty, after your skeleton has had a chance to grow and set, then transgender women are going to have a heavier skeleton mm-hmm. than cisgender women. And that is a factor in a lot of sports. Um, so there's so that. It shouldn't be allowed. But like in, like I used to be a mountain bike racer. And in mountain biking, transgender women can compete, with, you know, in the same race with cisgender women. And it's Ooh. actually maybe, you know, the heavier bones might actually be a little bit of a liability because when you're doing a climb, you got that much more weight that you got to push up that hill. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, again, you know, it, it depends on the sport. So you believe in uh, a kid transitioning. So this guy's like... So you believe in a transition before puberty for a kid? Like, that should be allowed? Sure. So this guy's like, is it fair to make up a child's mind for them at such a young age? Again, I'm not a mental health professional. and in that's your opinion, not me. Yeah, your opinion. It, you know, every case is different, but this science is very rigorous at this point. And um, psychiatrists who are very knowledgeable and very skilled in this area you know they are they're pretty good about making a determination also the parents you know uh they know and what they what winds up happening in more often than not they don't do sex reassignment surgery on kids generally before the age of majority but what they will do is give them meds that postpone puberty I got you. So that they don't have testosterone poisoning and it doesn't start to affect their body. And kids can go into whatever age, you know, the age that is generally the onset of puberty, you know, 11, 12, 13. They can take puberty inhibitors and they can delay mm-hmm. 
their puberty, you know, for a long for for years until they are of an age where they can maybe make a more informed and a more mature decision about moving forward with actual when surgery. You were young, like if like you remember like that time like before puberty do you think you would be able to make an a, a, that decision by yourself when you were that young no oh, i wouldn't no. either yeah so then how do you so. how is it no. how's the decision made then I, again i can't i'm not going to judge because every case is unique yeah. and i'm not going to paint with a broad brush here you can't you can. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, like, that, you know, I, I'm not going to throw a blanket statement out there about this. Every soul, every existential reality, every person is a universe. And uh, I'm not going to generalize. You know, every person yeah. is unique. And again, you know, I said at the beginning of this thing, I am not an ambassador for the transgender community. I don't speak for anyone but myself. And uh, and I think that's just how you have to approach it, you know, one case at a time. Absolutely, awesome. yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's got to, it's every just, it's one thing you can't, that's like saying like, oh, well, this killer shot the guy, so all killers must shoot a guy. Like, yeah, it's like they're the cases. It's it's one. Case it, by case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, we do have to wrap it up. But we got to have you back on because. Yeah, if you want to talk about. This guy also uh, wants to know if how you feel about Victoria's Secret models. All right. Well, this uh, is the thing. Victoria's Secret is a I privately owned... There's more questions. That they're just going to Okay, keep that's going. great. Victoria's Secret is a privately owned brand, and if they want to behave the way that they behaved, I think that people have to vote with their pocketbooks. Um, exactly. If it bothers you, don't buy this stuff. I like that. Exactly. That's you know, really I mean, good. if like... And, and that CEO, you know, he's gone. I'm not going to stand in front of the Victoria's Secret corporate headquarters with a sign. Yeah. I'm just not going to buy this stuff. Nope. No, you're not going to. And I think it. if, you know, and That's if. That's the real way to protest. Yeah. That's the only way. That's why I'm vegan. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, why I chose to be vegan. Don't you buy know, their shit. <laughs> I, was, I was once told by a friend, uh, you know, about this whole thing with, you know, being an activist and stuff. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not an activist in the transgender community. I'm just not. And uh, she was like, Kat, just you being you and living an authentic life and just being who you are You're a is an act of activism. Yeah. We all are. We're, you don't, all you don't have to stand in front of City Hall with a sign to be an activist. You know, just you being yourself, just you living your life, you are an activist just by being you absolutely that might be a good place to end it yeah uh, yeah well we got to have you back on if there's more questions you know hit me up on my odd, instagram yeah. oddcast yeah hit up her instagram it's katherine c-a-t-h-r-y-n roach r-o-a-c-h-e my instagram is my name yep and you can find her through mine also my facebook is also on my name oddcast um, we'll be back thanks for all the awesome questions man yeah. king thank of you. wizards thank you too thank you cat for coming on yeah, we'll, we'll have another one soon. Um, cool, guys. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you liked what you heard, please give us reviews, ratings, and likes, and all that stuff. It helps us so much more than you know. Uh, feel free to hit me up if you want to be a guest, if you have an opinion on something, or if you just want to talk. <laughs> 
Thanks again, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon.